Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Ball. Co-host is Justin Baker. And on today's show, we will be talking about the Jake Muzzin to Toronto trade. As well, we will be handing out our mid-season awards. Justin, how's uh, how's the old ankle treating you these days? Ankle's good. Uh, actually ran up the stairs for the first time, so progress. Yes. Nice. See, this is our injury report. We have to... You know, update you so that you know what's going on in our in our lives. You know, that's just par for the course. Uh, yeah. So well, you can run up a stair. I can get up a stair with the walker that I have to use because, you know, I don't have a left hand because of the injury I suffered to my wrist, and now I had ACL surgery, so I have to use a walker instead of crutches, which is just a whole big boost to the old pride. My <laughs> ego is just <laughs> bubbling right now. No. I got to ask you, have you tried going up and down steps yet? You know what I did today? I had to go up some steps to get to an apartment that I was just at, some friend's house. And fortunately, it was it was like a few steps and then a little plane and then a few steps and a plane. It was, it was very, uh, we'll say, walker-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's I mean I can use a railing and kind of boost myself up so it's uh, I haven't had to do the big flight of stair yet so hopefully I can avoid that uh, everywhere else that I have to go in life has an elevator so as long as that elevator works we're golden so there's the uh, there's our injury update um, we're we're not going to do an injury update for the NHL because you know right now who knows because everyone is just taking a little break except for like the rangers the flyers and uh and a, just like a few teams playing there's some teams that have like the next time they play is friday and uh, you've got a few teams playing between now and then i know winnipeg has played twice but yeah there's a lot of teams that aren't playing at all until friday so got a nice little little break for some teams and uh well you know, I know Winnipeg is playing like three times in four days during this random break for some teams, but uh, their break is is uh, happening eventually as well. So with that said, let's jump into this Jake Muzzin trade. Uh, what we know now uh, after, you know, what, about 24 hours after the deal, it's Carl Grundstrom uh, forward in the AHL, and it's Sean Dersey, OHL prospect, who... The last two years has had a point per game as a defenseman in the OHL, not too bad, and uh, then a first round pick this next year for Jake Muzzin, the possession monster. Well, well said. So, what was your, you know, on, upon hearing this, what was your first reaction to this trade? So, my first reaction was just really the fact that. I, I was shocked that they didn't have to give up, like, a top-nine roster player to get him, right? I mean, I fully expected, like, a, uh, a cadre to go back the other way at some point or, you know, somebody else with some significant offensive, you know, abilities, you know, for, for now, I guess you could say on their, their roster to, uh, to go back the other way and was kind of shocked that that didn't happen, especially for a guy like Muzzin who still has another year left on his deal, so... You know, you're getting some more added value there if you're a Leafs fan. Yeah, I thought that the the haul was good for L.A. I didn't think that it was a robbery by any means. I don't think that Grundstrom really turns out to be any more than a, you know, a, maybe a, a nice, like, maybe you can get him in your top nine, potentially. 
Um, he's definitely playing in your bottom six, though, in terms of your forwards. And uh, and Sean Dursey, I mean, we don't know. You know, sometimes an offensive defenseman in the OHL comes to the NHL and they blow people away. And uh, maybe you have your next your next Shane Gossespair type of player. But then sometimes you get guys who they clean up in the OHL. But then, yeah, because they are over, he's an overager in the OHL. You know, you come into the NHL and suddenly you're playing against men and uh, you don't have the same type of production. I don't think that either of these guys are going to be game changers for L.A., but I think that they could both make their team eventually and could come in and help as they build uh, through the draft through with a, with a new core and uh, maybe some of their older pieces being able to, to help that new core. Almost like what Philadelphia is trying to do. You know, we, you've still got Voracek and Giroux and you're trying to bring in these younger pieces while you still have the older guys there and kind of have this nice mix of players. Uh, I think they'd love to do that, and so we'll see if, if that ends up being the case. But, I mean, in terms of for Toronto, the team today, they are vastly better than they were yesterday uh, because all of a sudden you look at their defense and you go, yeah, Jake Gardner, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, and then you kind of sprinkle. You've got Travis Dermott, who now gets to play on your bottom six or your bottom pairing, and he he'll probably end up playing with Ron Hainsey, which in a in a bottom pairing role, I think Ron Hainsey's a nice player. It was when he was playing with Morgan Riley that you're like, man, Riley's just being ripped down. But now you look and you go, well, Muzzin could play alongside Riley or Gardner, and suddenly either one of those guys are going to be extremely benefited because of who they get to play with because now they don't have to worry about rushing the puck up the ice and you got Jake Muzzin behind you. Yeah. Yeah. I would not disagree with that one bit. So do I think that it's uh, now the Leafs are going to win the cup? No, I do not. But I do think that it, it is a good move. I think that chances are wide open. The East is wide open. And so if they can somehow, you know, you find your way past Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay to me is the one team that you look at and you go, ah, they'd probably beat the Leafs. But, you know, let's say Frederick Anderson is unreal and you have a couple games where you're fortunate. I mean, really anything can happen in the playoffs. And so, I mean, I think that now with Muzzin, they have at least a formidable defense to where their their offense, I think, maybe get a little bit more production because they don't they can actually move the puck from beyond the hash the hashes of their own blue line. You know that's that's been their biggest problem is that below the circles they're a joke and they get pushed around and they can't move the puck. And so Muzzin comes in there. I think he'll be a steadying factor. I'm sure that uh, the biggest winner here is Mike Babcock. I think he's uh, yeah. he's loving his life right now. Hey, I. I can't disagree with that. Um, I got to ask, though, do you think Toronto's done making moves? Yeah. I, okay. I think that they're done making moves like this. I think you could see them bringing in a, a player who would pop into their their you know bottom six. Uh, somebody for depth, maybe a depth defenseman, although I don't think they really need a depth defenseman. Now, now I mean, you're seeing Oshaganov and Marincin are both – uh, going to be healthy scratches or maybe sometimes Hainsey will be your healthy scratch, which I don't think is a bad idea where you can go, hey, Ron, you know, this is as the stretch comes down, you know, let's let's say we get a month later and, and things are looking better for them in terms of their playoff positioning and they can go, we're going to rest you a little bit so that you're ready for playoffs 
so that you're nice and healthy. I think that that would be a benefit for a guy who's 37 years old. It's not a bad thing to be able to cycle them out every now and then. Uh, but yes, I, I think that they are done making huge impact moves. I, I think you could see them going for a, a UFA who can play on the bottom six for depth, but that's it. Maybe, right. maybe a goalie, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but I, I, I don't, I don't know why you would, because really if Frederick Anderson gets hurt, there isn't another goalie out there who can replace him. So I, I don't think that you need to spend any resources on bringing in someone else when you should have the players that you think that can get the job done. I mean, you, you bet all your money on Garrett Sparks when you let Curtis McElhaney and, uh, crap, I can't remember his name. Uh, Pickard, You'll think of it. Calvin Pickard, uh, when there they let go. them put them both on waivers, you were saying, we think that Garrett Sparks is our guy. So he's your guy. I think you stick with him. And if he falters for some reason, then next year you go after a, a different option. But anything else to say about the the trade, the first big trade of, of uh, as we head into deadline 2019? Yeah, I like how you put that, the first big trade, because, again, I think this is this is enough to where now teams can start looking and be like, okay, this is our measuring stick, so let's go out there and make some deals. And so hopefully you get the ball rolling a little bit. Now I don't think you're going to see, a, you know, maybe some blockbuster trades right away here in the next week or two, but, um, you know, you could start seeing some some moves being made. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out. And, uh from a Toronto perspective, too, I, I love the fact, too, I forgot to mention this, that he gets a month now before the deadline, an extra month to get acquainted with the team, which is just going to be so much more beneficial for them down the stretch. Yeah, and, you know, another huge thing is the fact that I saw a quote from him. He said, yeah, as a kid, I was pretending to be Doug Gilmore and Wendell Clark, and and I, you know, I loved watching the Leafs. Like, the Leafs were his team. So I think that, that does play a small part into a guy becoming like, wow, I get to play for the team that I've cheered for all my life. You know, that's a, I think that that's, that's cool. It's like a, another John Tavares coming in a guy who wants to be in Toronto, which was something that for a while wasn't happening. And I, I think that Brendan Shanahan back when he first took over as president said, this is something we are going to do. We're going to make this a place where people want to come home and they want to play here. And I think that he is certainly succeeding in that. And, uh, and I think that that, that can't be discounted uh, because we have seen free agents go to places because they want to go home and Toronto hasn't hadn't had that luxury despite sending so many players to the NHL. So uh, I think that long term it'll it'll be a good thing for the Leafs too. Okay, with that said, shall we move on to some midseason awards? I know we're a little past the midseason mark, I guess you could say, and we're at what like 40, 48 games, forty nine games, but close enough. We're at All Star break. It's a great time to hand out some trophies. So let's hand out our. Uh, well, let's do the Hart Trophy last, because that's the you know that's, that's the big one. That's the big and uh, let's go with the the Norris. We'll start on the defenseman first. We'll give them some love. Uh, who do you have on your Norris list? Ooh, I think number one for me. Uh, given the surprise play of this team this season, I got to go with Mark Giordano right now. Okay, all right, but based on his team or based on on how he's playing. No, I mean, so right now, I mean, looking at his numbers, he's put up 52 points, 49 games. And he's, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't read a ton into it, but at a plus 29, that's, it's saying something, right? And, uh, you know, for a guy that 
you know, we we looked at last year and maybe his production, we started to say, oh, you know, he's going to start to slip a little bit. And he, he find, sort of finds a resurgence, right? I think he's he's got an, a, a much younger team around him. Some younger guys come in like Elias Lindholm. Um, you know, you look at Johnny Gaudreau kind of, you know, emerging a little bit more as well. And I think it's kind of invigorated him, giving him a little bit more life. And uh, I, I watch him, I've watched him play a little bit this year. And and every time he he still looks like he's in command. He looks like the old Mark Giordano that uh, was you know the guy that they they wanted to be captain and lead this team into the future. And uh, yeah, he's he's been looking really good. Now I will say too, uh, you know Morgan Riley has to be a close second for me, given the fact that you know he hasn't had the luxury of playing with another defensive partner like Giordano has all year. Um, in terms of a guy like a TJ Brody or you know whomever else he might be paired with. Um, you know, Morgan Riley's been sitting with, like we've talked about, Ron Hainsey forever, and yet Morgan Riley still goes out and produces. And, uh, you know, night after night, he's still able to to be one of the top defensive players in the league. Yeah, and I'd say what is what is even more impressive, Morgan Riley's my Norris pick. Uh, I think it's his five-on-five five play where you look at the points he's, he's put up. Uh, both Brent Burns and Morgan Riley have the same amount of five-on-five points. Uh, Mark Giordano has one less. So, uh, But Morgan Riley with a 13 goals, which is which is impressive. I mean, that's a, that's a career high right there. Uh, but again, the fact that he's been able to do this without a lot of other defensive help uh, to me is, is the biggest nod to go, this guy has carried his team defensively. And, you know, I know that the, the, award verbiage is the defenseman who demonstrates the greatest all-around ability in the position which i mean in reality it's almost like well you have to be at least in the top like five of scoring for a defenseman to even be considered generally but uh i would just say he's put up the points he has the most goals out of any defenseman he has the the most five on five points so he's not just milking the power play too and uh he also has had to make up for a an under average defensive partner yeah that's fair okay let's go to the calder trophy rookie of the year where i think it's really it's it's there's three guys i mean it's mira heiskanen elias peterson and rasmus dallin two defensemen and a forward and there's really to me there's no one else that's on that list. I think maybe if Carter Hart had started the year in the NHL and was playing the way that he's playing right now, he might be on this this list potentially, but uh you know, he really he just started playing less than a month ago. And so it's it's difficult. It would be too hard for me to put him in there even though they are on a nice little four-game winning streak. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. And another guy I'd like to maybe put on my just miss list as a Brady Kachuk in Ottawa who doesn't get a lot of recognition because the, the team itself is at the bottom league. But 23 points and 39 games, a respectable number for a guy who doesn't see a lot of ice time. He's usually playing second to third line minutes, uh, averaging, I think, just around 15 minutes a game. So, uh, But, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's those three guys at the top of the list and uh, not even close for really anybody else, I guess. And my pick at the beginning of the year, Andre Sveshnikov, is – Certainly not, uh, not lived up to expectations. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's. I would say that he's been fine. I think by the end of the year, he'll have twenty goals, which isn't isn't bad for a rookie year. I mean, nobody's complaining about a twenty goal score, especially since he's eighteen. I mean, you look at Elias Peterson. 
He's he's coming in a year older, and he's really coming in on a team that was I don't know just the way that he came in was kind of primed for him. Um, and Shvetsnikov is a, is a winger, and so some of that I think uh, there's some extra defensive responsibilities for a winger in the NHL. Where when you're a rookie, you know you're trying to figure out the defensive side, and you maybe can't go all out scoring. Uh, but yeah, he's he's looked fine. I'd say he's I'd say Svetchnikov looks fine. At least he's not a giant bust, you know. He he, <laughs> he looks fine. I think he'll have twenty goals by the end of the year. Uh, but yeah, so who who do you ultimately pick for your rookie of the year? Yeah, I this this is a no brainer for me. It's Elias Patterson right now. Uh, he's just dominating so much right now at one point one three points per game, and he's averaging. 18 minutes a night I, I think um you know the the one area of his game obviously that maybe needs a little bit more work is you know he's got to win some more draws and maybe play a little bit better defensively but I mean let's face it he and and you know Brock Besser they get up the ice so quick and they make plays so fast that you know sometimes you don't even have to worry about defense I will say he's shooting 28 percent so that uh, that'll slow down at some point <laughs> a little bit. Whereas then you have Rasmus Dahlin shooting at five point two percent, or I expect that to be a little bit higher. Uh, I would say that uh, you know for all the hype that Miro Heiskanen has gotten because he did go to the All Star game, uh, I really Rasmus Dahlin has has really uh, grown this first half of the season, and I think I at the beginning of the year I said that you know he's not really going to be in any kind of stride until after the All Star break, and I think that we'll see. Uh, an even better Rasmus Dahlin here at the end of the season. Uh, you know, Buffalo chasing that playoff spot. They're now just outside of a playoff spot. Uh, shockingly enough, the Pittsburgh Penguins have seemed to fallen on uh, some hard times again. And again. Matt Murray, some of the some of the problem. The Sabers four points out with just a game in hand on the Penguins. So it's it's crazy to think that. The Buffalo Sabers are chasing the Pittsburgh Penguins for the playoffs. <laughs> that's that's just I don't know. It just seems so so unusual to to even fathom that. Just the way that the last I don't know ten years have gone. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think we're we're both in in uh, in unison saying Elias Pettersson for Calder Trophy. Uh, let's go Selkie Trophy, the forward who Ooh. best excels in the defensive aspects of the game. Well, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go first on this one here, Mark. Okay. Um, well, I you know obviously the uh, the easy pick to me is to go Alexander Barkov. He's been nominated. He's a guy that I think people have wanted to win an award for a really long time. I mean, I, I think he's actually only twenty four years old, so he hasn't been in the league for that long. But <laughs> it feels like he's been in the league for a long time. He was drafted the same year that Seth Jones and Nathan McKinnon were drafted. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but he it just yeah that's the Florida effect. You just kind of get shoveled out there and and forgotten about. Uh, but you know the the other the one guy that I think of that. Uh, could have some uh, some say in here. You know, I I don't see him in any of the. You know, I've I've looked at several. You know, here's the here's the potential awards. I've seen Barkov and like a uh, Claude Giroux and Patrice Bergeron. Of course, pops up over and over again. Uh, if Andre Kopitar was on a half decent team, his name is always on here. I am actually going to say 
Sidney Crosby for the Selkie. Wow. And I'll tell you why. Because he is pushing for it. I saw something that he wants the Selkie trophy. He wants to win the Selkie trophy. And that guy, when he's like, I want to win this thing, he just goes and wins things. So I feel like, I don't know, we're going to see a campaign, Sidney Crosby for Selkie. And so he's he's my pick for uh, for winning the Selkie by the end of the year now. Okay, okay. Now I've got a I've got a name too. Uh, not your typical, you know. You would think of like again. You you talked about a Barkov or a Bergeron, guys that you would typically you know almost always put in the race here at this point. But for me, I'm going off the board a little bit as well. Uh, I'm reaching for a St. Louis Blue player by the name of Ryan O'Reilly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I again, I honestly believe he is the best faceoff man in the league, and that has just so much to do with, uh, you know, winning those defensive battles. Because again, you know, you're stuck in your offensive zone, and winning a draw is, you know, you know that line between life or death gets stuck in your zone if you're tired, or you know, even if you're trying to, you know, move the puck out. Well, losing that draw is is so critical, and it's so underrated, and I think in this game, in terms of a defensive aspect towards it. And then not to mention, too, I mean, you look at the team he's on right now. Uh, not a lot of, you know, I mean, they've been they've been getting better lately. But early on in the season, you know, he was carrying that team both offensively and defensively. And right now, again, 50 points, 49 games. I, I love what he's done on both sides of the puck. There is one team that could be a surprise. They could they could toss a name into uh, into this this list. And it's Anders Lee from the New York Islanders. Ooh. Who has who has taken the the mantle of all right? Yep, John Tavares left. He's the new captain, along with this defensive head coach Barry Trotz, who has truly milked the udders of the Islanders to the bone <laughs> and has them in first place in the entire freaking league in goals against. And they were last place last year in goals against, sixth place in the league overall. And you have to look to, like, you've got to go, all right, who's who's leading the league in defense, which is the Islanders, and frankly, by far. I mean, six goals over the course of a, a game, that's the, the next closest is Dallas and Boston. But 122 goals allowed in 49 games is fantastic, especially for a year where goal scoring is through the roof. And so I think you've got to look to the leader of the team with the best defense in terms of team defense, and that's Anders Lee. So wow. it's my uh, that's my little secret secret okay. uh, nod. Uh, let's go Vesna Trophy. This is your your baby here, so I'm gonna let you you take the reins on this, and I'll give you my picks. Yeah. Okay. Good Vesna. So uh, right now I've got two guys pretty much at the top of the list, and I think uh, one of the guy or my number one pick gets the edge only because again I think uh, had my number two pick been healthy for most of the season he would probably be up there but uh, John Gibson right now for me uh, mainly because uh, you know you look at the team he plays in front of the Anaheim Ducks and they're second worst in the league at scoring goals per game and for a team that's you know still holding on they're sitting at 500 right now 21 21 and 9 uh, boy man without him they would just they would have been sunk a long time ago that is that is absolutely true. I will give him that award if they make the playoffs. That's if they make the playoffs. If, okay. if they make, they, I mean, they have to make the playoffs if he's going to win it. Uh, in in my opinion, there. I mean, he, unless he unless he's got a one point something, 
you know, by the end of the year. Uh, I just I don't see a goalie that has missed the playoffs winning the Vesna. I, I don't know the last time that that happened. Uh, Could but, have been Dominic Koshik, but... <laughs> I, but that team made the playoffs all the time. They did, they <laughs> the team did. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, yeah, for for me, honestly, I'm once again, I'm looking at the New York Islanders. I, I love the way that their team has changed their style of play, and a lot of that has come because they've gotten really good goaltending. Uh, Robin Lehner, a a two zero two goals against average with a nine three one save percentage. He's you know uh, he's fifteen and seven, so he hasn't played a ton of games. Twenty seven games, but he's played the same uh, basically the same amount of games as Andre Vasilevsky, and I think he's going to get more games down the stretch here. And uh, I think that really by the end of the year, you know, if he ends up playing fifty five games, this Islanders team is first place in the league. In defense, and he leads the. I mean, he leads all, you know, starting goalies in save percentage, in goals against average. Those things get weighed heavily. Uh, you know, of course, you could you you might look at a like Mark Andre Fleury who leads the league and wins, and that's all all well and good. But just the way that he's come full cir- circle too, it's just an unbelievable story. Uh, I'll I'll hint towards he he would be my comeback player of the year winner even if he doesn't win this Vesna trophy uh, just for what he's had to battle with his mental health and uh, it's just a, an amazing story but I I mean I just don't see how you can not look his direction and at least nominate him for the Vesna because we've seen it in years past the guys that lead in those statistics are at least appear on that list and usually the team with the best like the best team in the league, a lot of times that team's goalie wins the Vesna. Yeah. Or is at I least mean, the candidate. That's that's fair to put. I mean, but for me, I, the only problem I have with maybe going a Robin Leonard is, you know, he's got Tom, he's got Grice sitting back there playing just as good uh, when he gets the opportunity, right? So you, you look and you say, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's more the system, right? Because, you know, Trotz comes in there and he turned that whole team around. Basically, they didn't, I mean, outside of John Tavares, there weren't a lot of major pieces that moved, right? They bring in Valtteri Filppula, Matt Martin, you know. And you know who else they brought in? They brought in Robin Lanner. <laughs> right. And, but again, Grice, a guy who <laughs> last year, terrible numbers. Robin Lehner, last year, terrible numbers. You bring in a new coach and a new system, and now these guys look like just studs behind, uh, you know, basically the exact same defense. So uh, I, I, I do like the pick, but for me, he's just not there yet, um, mainly because I think the team in front of him a little bit, the, the system in front of him a little bit more has to do with it. Okay. Uh, well, let's uh, let's kick on over to the, uh, the Lady Bing Award. Ooh. Who has the biggest vagina in the NHL? Just kidding. That's not what it is. I'm joking. Sorry. Jeez. Well, yeah. Um, honestly, I, I think for this one, again, I, I want to go back to my uh, my Selkie Trophy pick here. Ryan O'Reilly, only eight penalty minutes right now, and he's, he's number 12 in the league in terms of penalty minutes. And you look at the guys below him on the list, and there's only one guy that's really played more than 30 games that has less penalty minutes, and that's Colton Perenko. And um, yeah, so for me, I, I like Ryan O'Reilly. He's putting up the points and keeping the penalty minutes down. Yeah, I, I'll go uh, 
Riley is a is a solid pick, but also Alexander Barkov with two penalty minutes. Uh, the only thing is that his team is quite bad, and <laughs> defense. You know, he's a minus eighteen, and even though I don't care too much about those numbers, often those numbers will be uh, somewhat determinant of you know because you're you're looking for a player with a high standard of playing ability on top of being a gentlemanly player, and yeah, I mean to be a defenseman in this league. And have only four penalty minutes with thirty-two games left to go, thirty-three games. That's it's impressive. I think that it's it's impressive for a defenseman to have fewer penalty minutes because often you need to take a penalty sometimes just because yeah you know, you're you're caught out of position so you take a penalty. I, I did hear one thing. I might have shared this on the show before, uh, but I, I did see I think it was a, a tweet of some sort. But it was a player talking and said, you know, really, there's one guy that should win the. Lady Bing Trophy every single year, and that's Zidono Chara, because he could literally kill anyone in the league at any point, <laughs> and he chooses not to because he's a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> so that's uh, there you go. That's I'll, wow. I'll give I'll give honorable mention to uh, <laughs> to Zidono Chara not killing anybody. Uh, Jack Adams, Coach of the Year. Boy, you know what I I think we're both gonna be. Uh, picking the same guy here, but for me, Barry Trotz, he's just, he like you said, he's taken the worst team in goals against last year and made them the best. There's no other coach even that I would consider at this point. Defending Stanley Cup champion Barry Trotz. Yes. Yep. What if the New York Islanders... Yeah, we're not going to go there. Nah, that's too soon for me. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, let's let's say this. Let's all right. We got thirty-two, thirty-something games left here for the Islanders, and and let's say that you know this isn't necessarily indicative of how good this team or how maybe just how uh, you know okay this team is. Uh, ultimately, they don't finish in first place in this division. Uh, maybe they fall. They still end up making the playoffs. Who would you then? Would you keep it trots? Like, let's say they keep chugging along. They lead the league in goals against, or, or really close to it. But ultimately, they they just don't manage to score the goals down the stretch. So they fall down the standings a little bit, or teams overtake them a bit. Uh, is there another coach that you'd look at right now and go, "Well, that's the de facto number two If if the Islanders happen to slip, yeah, I think I think the de facto number two has to be Bill Peters. Um, in Calgary, I think again a team that last year didn't make the playoffs and comes in and now they're they're the second hottest scoring team in the league. I think uh, I think you could throw his name in there. Um, you know, maybe another another uh, name I might throw in again. Uh, you know, you could probably throw in. Boy, I mean, John Cooper's always an easy easy name to pick. Uh, you get a team that's that that's always successful like that. Not not too hard to to pick them up, but uh. Yeah, I think for me, Bill Peters, just because, again, with the work he did coming in there and, uh, you know, turning a team from a non-playoff team to, a, you know, looking like uh, they're going to be a playoff team this year. So Yeah, my, my one other pick would be Claude Julien in Montreal, uh, sure. assuming they make the playoffs. But, I mean, in reality, they are two points back of the Islanders. And so uh, they have done an equally impressive job turning around a team that looked like they would – probably be in the uh, bottom three or four of this league or of the t- of the conference at least and uh so they they've done a nice job and they've done it in such a way where they've gotten better defensively as the year goes on 
And so that that can be a scary thing. Carey Price keeps on getting better and better. And uh, they may be a team that, you know, right now they're they're just a point back at Toronto. And right now Toronto would play Montreal in the playoffs, which would be pretty insane. That would be the first time they've played each other in the playoffs since 1967, the last time the Leafs won the Stanley Cup. So, wow, we'll just throw those things around, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, as time goes on. Should we give a quick GM of the Year award? Yeah, you have one of why those. Not? I, I think I, I think I've got to go with uh, with Brad Treliving in in Calgary. Uh, just the moves that he made over the offseason. They said we need to get deeper. They got deeper. He brought in Bill Peters, and I mean, even it's funny the the one big off season splash that he made, the James Neal trade, seems to have had the least impact out of all the moves that he made in the off season. Uh, but just the fact that they rebuilt their bottom six forwards has really sparked this team and a new head coach. And that's uh, you know when it when a head coach fails, we we blame the GM. So when a head coach succeeds, we have to also applaud the GM for having the insight to bring that player in or that coach in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I would agree with that pick wholeheartedly. I, I don't see any, uh, any quarrels with it. I think I would throw maybe uh, Kyle Dubas's name in there too. I think already we've seen, you know, the Jake Muzzin move. I, I can't see that not paying off. Um, and just the fact that again, even though it took a while to get William Nylander signed. He still got him signed to you know significantly less than I was starting to worry he was going to end up having to pay him. So, well, you didn't think that he was going to even play this year. So, no, I did not. <laughs> but I figured if he was going to play, yeah. it was probably going to cost more than what he ended up paying. A dry sidle so kind of thing or something. Yeah. yeah, tip my cap there. Uh, comeback player of the year? Anybody other than Robin Lehner, who I've already I've already uh, given my two two votes for. Yeah, I uh, I can't disagree with that. Although I I would like to throw Jeff Skinner's name in in the uh, in the ring there, just because again, I coming from Carolina, you know, he really didn't have a whole lot of talent around him. Um, sort of, it almost seemed like he had plateaued a little bit, and then comes to Buffalo, you know. And again, playing with Jack Eichel doesn't hurt much. So you know, you get a little bit more spark, a little little bit more life left in you, and uh, you know, he seems to have found a new new energy, new passion for the game, and he, he looks he looks very good in Buffalo. Okay. Well, we are uh, we have hit our, our heart trophy, the biggin. Biggin. Uh, we can give some predictions for our Ross and Maurice Richard, which is more predictions at, at this point. But uh, heart trophy for the first half of the season goes to whom? <clears throat> Boy, this one is tough. There are quite a few names right now, I think, and I mean, when I say quite a few, I think there's an easy seven or eight players you could make an argument for right now. Um, I think given, and boy, right now I think I would probably go with Nika Kucherov, just as dominant as he's been right now. He leads the league in points per game played. Um, I mean, 78 points already. It's just incredible to think about it. And so, um, but I think given... Uh, if their team happens to sneak into the playoffs, I would go with Connor McDavid. Yeah, I think it's it's Connor McDavid's trophy to lose, assuming he makes the playoffs. I mean, he. Yeah. I mean, even last year they missed the playoffs, and the players still voted him the best. You know, the top MVP of the league, kind of uh, in the player voted one. Uh, I will say that uh, if I'm not giving it to Connor McDavid, I'm actually Kucherov. He's played fantastic. Uh, I mean, he's 
His uh, 28 freaking power play points is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> and that still puts him 50 points on the year. He has, he has more than a point per game just on 5-on-5, five five, which is unreal. Uh, he does play on a fantastic team. Uh, I don't know how much you want to put stock you want to put into that. Uh, it's where I kind of lean towards a Johnny Gaudreau, much like last year where Taylor Hall won this award because of how good he was compared to the rest of his team. I just think that Johnny Gaudreau has he he takes the other players around him. He's taken uh, an Elias Lindholm, a guy who I mean he's already having a career year, and we've got thirty games left on the season. Uh, it's it's crazy to think what he's done uh, for his career before this a, a career high of forty five points and seventeen goals, and he already has twenty one goals and fifty eight points. Uh, and now Sean Monahan, a very nice player, but I, I really think that while they work well together, of course, Johnny Goudreau is the guy who's driving that line. And I mean, he is really, I mean, you, you look at that team's goals, you've got Johnny Goudreau at, at 29, then Sean Monahan at 27, Matthew Kuchuk at 24 and Lindholm at 21. And then it really falls off from there. So you've got four guys doing all the work, uh, but Goudreau just really driving everything and he has 51 points in 51 games five on five on top of the 22 power play points that he has so just absolutely ripping it up and his team in first place the team not expected to be there a team where it seemed like they didn't have the goaltending to be where they were at and uh, I just I really like the way that they're playing I think that they they play in a better division than uh than Tampa does. I think that a lot of the teams in that Atlantic division, Ottawa, Detroit, Florida, I, I think those teams are, are quite bad. I know LA's in there, but uh, LA's really the only bad team in the Pacific. And you've got Edmonton. And, I mean, all these other teams are, are much higher up in the standings. And so uh, I think that maybe Tampa Bay, that is a, that is a help when you're able to play bad teams like that on, on the regular, but not not that Tampa Bay doesn't destroy everyone else because they you know they just got finished beating uh, their last game against San Jose six to three so it's not like they can't beat anyone <laughs> but uh, I just think that it's it's impressive when you're doing it on a team that's not supposed to be there. Sure, yeah, no, I completely uh, completely understand. And I think for me, another dark horse candidate I might throw into this race would be an Alex Ovechkin. Ah. Uh, just because from the start of the year to now he's just been a firecracker for his team he i mean he he is the definition of a guy that just embodies everything that the team is right now and uh he's picked up his play at both ends of the ice and i think you know without their head coach barry trotz you know there and they they just keep rolling and i think he is the the straw that stirs that drink there right now yeah 37 goals in 50 games he's uh probably gonna end up pretty darn close to 60 if he doesn't get there um, <laughs> just just fantastic i mean i i think that he by the end of the year he'll have he might have 55 on five goals he's got 27 right crazy. now 27 right now so i mean you're he are looking at least 45 on five goals uh which which is you know quite quite impressive uh last year Connor mcdavid had 35 and Ovechkin had 32. Uh, so those were the two top ones in the league. Ovechkin already with 27 with 32 games left to go. Ooh. 
Shows you how good of a year he's having. Uh, any other awards that you'd like to, to hand out? <laughs> and he um, made up the, the Justin Baker Award. <laughs> Boy, that'd be great. The best, uh, yeah, roller goalie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if you want to, if you may, maybe want to make a couple quick predictions for for the Rocket Richard and oh yeah uh, you know. well le- I'm but. sticking I'm sticking with uh, my Ovechkin prediction that I made uh, very early on I, I okay. won't say I said it at the very beginning of the season I don't remember who I said at the beginning of the season but I know that uh, sometime in November I said he was going to go on a tear and and he has so we'll see if uh, we'll see if it continues but he's still my pick for the the Rocket Richard who who's yours do you have a, if if he doesn't win it who's your pick yeah, I think Ovechkin's the obvious favorite. I, I have to agree with you. My my pick of line A just didn't pan out so well. He's sitting at 25, and there's no way he's catching Ovi at this point. Um, Maybe yeah, if so you I combine it, line A with Shvetsnikov and, uh, oh, crap, who's the who's the guy that Wings drafted in the first Manta? round? No, in the first round. Manta? No, in the first round this last year. Oh, Zadina. Zadina. Yeah, we'll take their three goal score as goal totals and put them together, and then maybe you'll – no, you still won't come close to Ovechkin. No, no. Okay, so if if not Ovi, I think the, the next guy to catch him for me might be uh, John Tavares. Okay, yeah, John Tavares I think is second in the league in goals, uh, along with Jeff Skinner, who who has played a couple, game, a couple less games, and Braden Point also with 30 goals, so – Quite a few guys right there. I mean, Goudreau, McDavid, Kane, and Landeskog all with 29, and then Point, Tavares, and Skinner with 30, and then where's Ovechkin with 37. Yeah. Oh, boy. But it just takes – I mean, it takes a hat trick and then a two-goal game, and suddenly, you know, the whole face of it all changes. It takes an injury. You you just never know what what can happen. But um, I, for one, am hoping for a 60-goal season out of Ovechkin. yes. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Okay, well, I think that's our uh, that's our mid-season award show. Hope you enjoyed it. If you vehemently disagree with us, if you agree with us, we don't really care uh, because you know that means we got it right. So uh, if you tell us we are right, it's only going to make things worse. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, but you can hit us up on Twitter at ot hockey talk, and uh, yeah, we'd uh, we'd love to chat with you on there and. Uh, Justin, any parting words? Uh, best of luck in your recovery, Mark. Uh, yeah, hope oh, well, things go you. speedy because uh, someone's got to walk down an aisle here. Uh, that know, is true. Months. Well, as one of my groomsmen, you know that you're uh, you're on the hook to carry me if I can't walk. <laughs> I'm dragging you, not carrying. <laughs> That's uh, that won't be an easy task to haul me across the the floor, but it's doable. I mean, I do have I do have uh, nine groomsmen, so should be should be doable. <laughs> All right, that is our show. We hope you guys have a a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you later in the week. And uh, ciao.